Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My next guest, you will surely know as the lead singer of Tool, A Perfect Circle, and Pucifer. He actually rarely does interviews, so this is quite a big get for us. He's also quite possibly one of the most reluctant rock stars and always maintained a sense of mystique and intrigue. He is Maynard James Keenan. I'm excited to welcome this guy to the show. He's a fascinating guy with fanatical fans. He's always, as I mentioned, had a a lot of mystique about him surrounding him. Um, It's great to have him on the show coming up. We're going to talk about all his projects, a lot of the upcoming Pucifer releases. There's a bunch of content that's actually dropping in November and uh, his winery and love for everything uh, esoteric. In addition, Maynard also has two new soundtracks that are being released on Pucifer TV. In addition to Pucifer TV, Existential Reckoning Live at Aracosanti and Billy D and the Hall of Feathered Serpents featuring Money Shot. So both of those will be out too. By the time you download this, please check those out too. And here he is coming up in a moment, Maynard James Keenan. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcoming to the show, Maynard. It's great to have you here. We're going to talk all things Pucifer. I know you guys just dropped a ton of content. Uh, I think when you're listening to this, it'll probably drop Friday. Um, so that's great. I want to get into all things Pucifer. I want to get into wine. I wish I was with you in person because it'd be great to uh, have a glass of wine with you in person. Um, when did you get into wine, Maynard? Was it many years ago? Because I know you kind of, I know you grew up in Michigan and early on you kind of worked on apple, feed, you know, orchards and things like that. And so when did your love of wine come about? At what age and, and what really got you into it? Um, yeah, at some point, if you have friends that are geeks on that stuff and they start waffling on about palate and, and nose and all that 
stuff um you know it just it kind of goes in one ear and out the other um but at some point you might have that moment if if you're going to get into wine you'll have that moment or you've already had that moment where it just clicks and makes sense um it's different for everybody and uh i don't i don't remember the specific moment but i do remember the moments that led up to uh me having that moment and it was you know watching all the people who uh, milk the shit out of uh, artists, like the lawyer, the agent, yeah. uh, the manager, uh, the merchant, the merchandiser guy. You know, the all those people in a room having a nice bottle of red wine with these nice glasses, and your dressing room has Coors Light in it. Right. And you're like, pretty sure I paid for that. So you just, you know, if you're a prick like I am, you just take the bottle and leave the room. Yeah. Not, was not it when you business. moved out to Arizona though, when you first, cause I know you actually interned, which is crazy. Cause it was after you already had tool. Was it your move to Arizona that really got you into it though? Uh, well, I mean, you know, Arizona is coincidental. It was more of the traveling and, uh, and being exposed to those regions and seeing the agriculture that was um, attached to it. Some of the connection uh, with, with farming Um I don't know is that that was a, what resonated with me was that there was a a start to finish process that that spanned many disciplines. Mm. And take me back to the beginning, if you don't mind. I want to talk music a little bit. Obviously, it's it's a music show too. So I know that you you moved around a bunch growing up, and and if you could kind of talk me through your first memories of music and when you got into it, some of the first albums you bought early on. I know that you moved around from Ohio to Michigan and then Boston and eventually LA. But talk me through kind of a little bit of how you grew up and fairly religious, I believe, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in uh, a religious settings in, in Ohio. Um, you know, so you have church choir and you have singing at the choir, but then um, you get into, get into whatever music your aunt or your uncle gets you into. Uh, I didn't mm. have older brothers or sisters, so um, you had to rely on um, their musical tastes. Uh, but then going to Michigan, I immediately got into choir. Um, in high school and we had um, uh, Ann Johnson was our was our instructor and uh, easygoing person but a, a ball buster when it came to the actually doing the work she wasn't going to let you off the hook for understanding um, scales and warm-ups and then we would do fun stuff we would do uh, learn whole pieces that we would as a class uh, purchase you do fundraisers and purchase sheet music to do you know our recitals every several months um, but you know, as far as actually putting the work in, not just getting the sheet music and mimicking, uh, what was on the sheet music, we actually were doing exercises daily. Mm. So that foundation of, um, of technique to just understand how to execute the thing rather than just, you know, free balling it. And it was more your aunt that was into music than your mom and dad, really? She's the one that kind of, uh, no, my dad, my, actually, my dad was very much into Ahmad Jamal. So, mm. uh, even though not a lot of his other musical tastes made sense to me, but somehow him putting on Ama Jamal vinyl uh, all the time in Michigan, uh, that kind of sets a that kind of sets a rhythm in your foundation, right? So like understanding those those musical possibilities because now you're exposed to it. If you're not exposed to it, you might you might be someday, but in those moments I was then exposed to that, you know. So you combine those experiences uh, with the actual technical experiences in choir. And, you know, my aunt introduced me to 
introduced me to uh, Joni Mitchell music and she's, you know, it sounds like a little hippie chick on a guitar, but like her, song, her song structures and her inter the intricacies are, are infinite. So, um, you know, just having that as your, as your foundation um, to build on, you know, you can go down, you can go down many paths and, and, and keep it simple or make it complicated, but having that kind of a foundation to begin with, rather than, I don't know, starting off with the Bay City Rollers, right. you know, there's, there's a difference, right? So I can well, enjoy there, there, there was There was Sabbath, you and also Joni Mitchell, right? It wasn't just Joni Mitchell, obviously you had. Yeah. So, you know, Sabbath and, and, uh, and, and Joni Mitchell and, um, and, you know, uh, Ahmad Jamal, really, um, Pink Floyd eventually, you know, so all those things kind of come around. Do you remember the first records that you bought? Uh, yeah, I want to say it was um, with my own money. I believe I bought um, a Kiss album was my was my first actual purchase by myself. But I remember, you know, as a kid, um, getting for Christmas things like, um, you know, Jackson Five and um things like that nature that were that were timely you know whatever was the cool thing back then yeah it's interesting you also pretty athletic grown up right so i believe that like your running kind of gave you a lot of the odd time signatures that you came to really love that was a lot to do with your breathing when you were running a lot as a kid right yeah because it's not i wasn't really great at track but i was decent at uh, cross-country running which was if you've ever done cross-country running in high school the terrain is it's constantly shifting unless you're, you know, there's parts of the state in Michigan that would have extremely flat courses where everybody was, you know, breaking their own personal records. It was practically like a, a track, but not on a straight, you know, not on a big oval. Um, but most cross country courses, there's hills, there's, you know, there's, there's pits and valleys, there's you know, obstacles. You're having to dodge trees because of a hard right turn, hard yeah. left turn. So just that the nature of that, um, lends itself to having to have a more erratic um, pacing. So I think just that for me, it kind of, I was hearing some of those songs early on that had a little bit more um, odd signatures in them while I was running, listening to those, you know, mentally listening to those as I was running too. Did you ever get into like Kim Crimson and stuff like that, that had a lot of odd signatures? That was way later. Way um, later. I, ended up, I ended up coming, you know, eventually somebody went, you mean like this? And then they played with <laughs> King Crimson and went, oh yeah, I like that. That's what I meant. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think a lot of people don't know about you that comedy was almost such a big influence, maybe as much as music for you, right? Growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, Monty Python was, was you know, cornerstone. You have, you, you had all the, all the typical sitcoms that were on, on TV back then that they couldn't possibly air now, they would be canceled immediately. <laughs> right. uh, that were the norm back then. You're like, ha, 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 that racist is funny. Um, but, you know, but, but those, those, are, those are that 30-minute um, quips. The things that really resonated were, were things like, uh, you know, Monty Python. Yeah. And did you listen to Cheech and Chong, Richard Pryor? Yeah, absolutely. Stuff, yeah. Uh, Cheech and Chong, Richard. I remember, you know, sneaking off with a portable uh, record player that had batteries in it, one of those fold-up ones that had yeah. big D-sized batteries, listening to the Cheech and Chongs up in smoke and the earlier, earlier Cheech and Chong records because you weren't 
not allowed to hear those. Steve, <laughs> Steve Martin, let's get small. And Steve Martin's wild and crazy guy. It's interesting, right? So much of that stuff that exists that during those days, it, you're right, it wouldn't be allowed today. It's funny, we're, we're in such a PC yeah. society. So, so walk me through a little bit of Maynard. So obviously after Michigan, you moved to Ohio. And then at a certain point, I think you lived in Boston, you worked at a pet store, right? I, went, I was born in Ohio, moved to Michigan, ended up going to the military, spending time in Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, New Jersey, Texas. Eventually went back to Michigan to go to art school and then uh, was learning more about drugs than art. So I moved to Boston to outrun myself, um, get a job, uh, do the nine to five just to kind of break the cycle and eventually moved out to uh, Los Angeles for to work in pet stores because that's what I ended up doing in Boston. And at a certain point, you and Adam connect, you connect with Tom Morello. Um, did you spend any time playing with Tom and, and the guys in the band? Uh, not really. I was more like the guy on the side, um, just kind of peering in, uh, watching watching it all unfold. Uh, there seemed to be a there seemed to be a hierarchy out there. You recognize instantly when you're going out to those early, like it was basically that you know 1990 where hair bands were just about to be executed by Nirvana. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of changes, but then but the, the hierarchy didn't change. Like the people who ran the clubs. Um, yeah. I'm used, and you've seen it a million times um, in the, in the bloodbath of, of the, of the hair bands uh, being annihilated uh, general Custer style. Um, you, you see immediately that, um, people immediately taking charge um and uh it's almost like watching um walking dead where there's always some asshole with the gun who just wants to take charge and, and own everything it's just part of human nature um so yeah so so going seeing some of that unfold uh in that setting during that bloodbath was me as an observer and a storyteller just you know taking mental notes of watching the human baby behavior unfold in front of me. It's interesting because there was two scenes, right? There was that hard rock scene. Then there was like the Raji scene. There was Del Gloria. There was like war and green jello. And so what mm. you, you know, got you into that scene and obviously you went the other direction, right? Into like the Raji scene and all those clubs. So did you meet early on? Was it you meeting Adam that kind of got you into that? Or as you said, you were more of an observer early on. No, I was, you know, I was doing, you know, I was, I didn't have any interest in doing music in LA. None, zero, zilch. Mm. I had already had a band in, uh, in earlier days and other places and they weren't as motivated or, or driven or insane uh, as I was. And so I just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth from that experience. I wasn't interested in being in bands. So that's why I was hanging back and just watching. But I'm watching various people that I've met go through the dog and pony show of, uh, you know, having the A&R guy come up and suck your dick um, and tell you all the things you needed to hear. Uh, here's my card. I don't, what am I going to do with your card? Um, but, uh, you know, just watching all of that unfold. Um, and this, and just watching, just watching people not really um, doing it right. And I, th I know that sounds arrogant and um, judgmental, but like, I'm you know, in in the context of the story, you have to you know you have to cast the characters properly for the movie to really take off, right? That's a casting agent's job is so important, and yeah. um, 
being able to have that person tell that story. And as the casting agent, me kind of taking the role in my mind as a casting agent, uh, telling a story, you would watch bands on stage and just go, what the fuck is that guy doing up there? Right. He doesn't, that's the, he is the absolute wrong person for that role. 100%. He's up there for the wrong reason. It's like, just go talk to that chick. Impress her with your accounting skills instead of this awful mess I'm witnessing, you know? And it's just, and it's no, I know I'm, I'm being a prick about it, but like at the end of the day, those, <laughs> I'm not joking. Like some of those guys that I would be muttering that under over a, you know, over a rum and Coke, you know, just talking shit at the back of the room. Those guys did go on to be businessmen or they went on to do other things and they're really good at it. Yeah. Because they finally is like, just got, go do this other thing that you're really good at. Recognize your strengths, um, work on your weaknesses for absolutely don't, don't ignore any of those things, challenge yourself. But man, there's a lot of that, a lot of them working that, <laughs> working through that was painful. So I think my big mouth at the back of the room, spouting all that nonsense, the nobody guy at the back of the room, half drunk. Um, somebody finally said, well, if you think you could do it better, why don't you? Um, and, you know, there was a, some people that were around that were kind of chasing their tails with music. And I went, ah, okay, fuck it. I guess I'll give it a shot. Because I think I could, I'm pretty convinced I could probably put the pieces together, at least initially for the, the initial sketch, the initial outline of what I would have in mind for this cast of characters, for this script i can put it together enough to make it at least we'll get by on it until i can do a redraft in a interesting you it's interesting like listening to you refer to this as like theater in a way right that's a lot of the ways yeah. that you approach whether it's pucifer a perfect circle tool a lot of it's almost like like you said you're playing roles you're playing characters so yes absolutely the, i mean you, that, you have to bring you have to bring yourself to the character the, the character it sucks if it's it's just this empty shell that you pour in this, somebody that's not you at all into it. Of course you have to bring yourself to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are. In fact, you're, you're kind of writing these, these uh, characters. Okay. Well, let's do, let's be aggro. Okay. Well, what's that look like? Um, I'm, I'm mad. I'm Irish Italian. I just born mad. So <laughs> let's do that. Um, and some of those bands you connected with early on, like green jello and guar were theater. I mean, at the end of the day, guar is, all theater, right? So it's funny that yeah. you kind of fell into that scene early on, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, like the, the guys that were in green jello that they weren't there very long because the main guy got rid of everybody. As soon as he yeah. got the opportunity to get a contract, he got rid of all the good people in the band, no disrespect to the guys who came after, but that initial round of guys were just jammers. They just enjoyed themselves. And that was attractive to me that they were being theatrical, but they were actually enjoying making music. And once they left, it was kind of, I kind of lingered a little bit, but I didn't really have interest in that thing because it wasn't what it was immediately. It wasn't what it was anymore. Yeah, so this is um, around about 89 or 90 or so. What were the bands that you were, who were the bands that you thought were doing something interesting around that time? Dead, White and Blue was doing some cool stuff. Um, that was a local band, Shredding It Up. There's a band called Dumpster that had a minute. They had a window, but then they, they immediately took themselves too seriously and blew it yeah. pretty much. Um, but had a couple, there was like, oh, okay, I can, I can get into that. Um, but there's, you know, there's just, mo a lot of them had moments, but they just were, they were so desperate to be the next thing and to be signed that a lot of them just kind of screwed it up. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've heard you talk about the Electric Love Hogs, um, and I used to yeah. be pretty friendly with those guys. So it's it's nice to see them getting some acknowledgement in that scene, right? But uh, they yeah. never obviously went on to do much. But but talented guys. Well, John Feldman went on to do a lot of great things, and and of course uh, Bobby, um, you know, fucking great dude, just doing oh, yeah. some cool shit right now. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you know, filmmaking and stuff. Like there's that's again, like he's incredible, incredible drummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he might be a better think he might be a better filmmaker <laughs> yeah. and i mean i mean that in a in a as a compliment yeah, he's yeah. amazing amazing drummer so you know these things all i think they just kind of work out the way they're supposed to work out um but those those are some of the bands that were floating around at that time um well there was white trash yeah. go-go there was scream um i mean all yeah. thinking of other places rogies and all those places back then yeah rogies uh um uh, club lingerie yeah a little bit of coconut teaser in there but i think that was like that wasn't quite a fit for us um, generally speaking, it was the it was the the lesbian club over. I think I want to say it was on like Santa Monica. Santa Monica, right? Yeah. So it was you know it was a, it was an interest an interesting inspiring time for people who had ideas that even had a remote sense of I that they wanted to like pursue their own identity. You know, not having to like tie the bandanas around their knees and have the big hair and yeah, uh, reach for that silly. Uh, operatic vocal that meant nothing um <laughs> how did you meet adam and, and danny and the guys in tool uh person i was dating in uh in boston uh, her name's gloria uh i had expressed an interest in coming out to la um to pursue this job um and uh she had said oh i have friends that live out in los angeles let's make a trek out and you can apply for some jobs out there and we'll meet them and it ended up being most of those people that you already know the names of that she went to high school with and so that was just that accidental meeting uh, of those people um and then we got the job and then you know cut to curmudgeon dude at the back of the room bitching about um poorly <laughs> casted poorly casted cast uh and then somebody saying well, why don't you try it and like okay and then so like i think that happened in the spring or no it happened yeah the spring of 91 and we had a record deal by thanksgiving of 91 i was gonna say it happened really quickly for you i mean you didn't have yeah. to pound it out in the clubs it happened almost immediately for you which is unique in that scene right i mean your success came literally like a year or two right after you started, which is pretty. Sad. Yeah. But I mean, you know, again, it was ripe, everything that was, and you know, we could try to take credit for all that and say, yeah, we were so amazing. We got signed right away. That wasn't that it was, it was the way that it was the thing that was happening that bands were getting signed that, uh, that NR people didn't understand, but they just mm -hmm. knew that they weren't hair bands. So they were just like, just grabbing anything they could find to snag it up, you know, to, to, to get it, you know, under contract in case it broke and yeah. it's like dude, like that, that never works out like nirvana happened and let it go it's not going to happen again for a yeah, long time yeah. but as i mentioned i wrote the script in my mind and i you know the script i'm using is a little tomb we're like we're we're very serious about what we do just don't take ourselves seriously just uh, we just had to adjust that script as we went um really getting to know each other and diving deeper into what we could do to expand that and i still had you know, and as you're going forward, like, oh man, I have all these other scripts in mind. And that's where, that's where Pussifer was born. And eventually Perfect Circle came out of that uh, as well after Pussifer actually. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that was, I you know, was always kind of writing these, 
in my mind, how would I approach this and what conversation would be like? You meet a person who's creative and you're having conversations with them uh, initially, verbally, but eventually musically. Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at Pussifer and all the new content you're releasing, you really get to see almost the comedic side of you, the casting, the videos you put out, you know, the different characters. You get to see many sides of you and all the different acts that you have. And I know that for, for you, they probably fulfill different things to you, all the different bands that you have. Is there one that you feel more connected to lately or just about the same? I mean, obviously, Pussifer is the latest thing that you have. Yeah, you know, but that's, you know, again, that's been marinating since 1995. Yeah. Um, a lot of those uh, relationships we'll see just did a little bit of filming with Laura Milligan, the original um, Hilly, Hildeberger. Sure. Um, uh, we just worked with her. Um, I guess that there's not really, I mean, you have your different groups of friends, right? You can't really, you can't really identify with um, those things as being better than the other. Um, so I think it, it doesn't really, if anything, I feel like uh, I resonate more with the things that are, larger challenge mm. so you know uh convincing people that grapes grow in arizona to me is a huge challenge even though i already know i already know that it works we've already known it's worked for 20 years so uh it's just a matter of convincing somebody that it works which is easy to it's it's not easy to do but it's much easier when you already know that it works definitely 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 well, talk to me for a little bit about all the new things. There's obviously there's a lot of content, right? So let's talk yeah. about all the different projects. I, um, I know in particular there's Billy Dean of the Hall of Feathered Serpents, right? So let's yeah. talk about a lot of that stuff is dropping literally this month. Um, yeah, walk so, me through some of the different projects that you've going on with it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll dance around a little bit. Uh, apologies. Uh, so you know, originally, originally when I was putting the Pussifer stuff together with Matt. Um, we were operating between windows of perfect circle and tool. So we really had a tight window and with harvest. I mean, I'm, I'm off the map for, you know, basically mid July all the way to beginning of October. Mm. I'm on lockdown in the cellar. So we had limited time, but we would take whatever we had with Pussifer to, to do a little filming things, because again, my history, you know, and you guys have to Google this tantrum with uh, Tawny Port, uh, AKA Laura Milligan. Um, a lot of amazing artists came out of that era of comedy in LA. Um, so, you know, trying to develop all these characters over time, really part of it was to combine uh, the comedic sketches with the music uh, from the beginning, but budgetary restrictions, just because back in, you know, back in 96, there was no Final Cut Pro, mm. right? There was, you didn't have iMovie on your iPhone, didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. You know, a lot of that stuff had to take the backseat a little bit. So, you know, now cut forward to a pandemic when we're just about to release an album, um, we're screwed. We're supposed to go on tour and support this thing. Um, and we couldn't do it. So immediately people were doing these pay-per-view events, concert films. So we jumped on it right away and we did um, the release of uh, Existential Reckoning uh, live at Arcasante in Arizona. Um, and it was, it was a fantastic experience, um, putting all that together. And of course, little side bits that we do along with it. And now we kind of found our groove. So we did money shot live, which was the Billy D, uh, and the hall of feathered serpents. At the How'd you come up with that character, by the way, what a great character. Uh, Billy D came out of a, uh, out of a sketch that I used to do with, um, Laura back at tantrum. Uh, 
Kurt, I guess I can give you a little bit of that as a, as a history. So Laura Milligan had this thing called Tantrum. Her character was Tawny Port and her Tantrum was a variety show. And here she is a child, hack, child actress back on the scene after getting out of rehab, you know, classic LA story. Right. Um, and she would have, you know, there was going to be the end up being a theme that night, you know, that's going on in, in the club. So it's not just, you know, it's not just um, uh, Janine Garofalo going up and doing her bits, yeah. working out some stand-up. There's also something going on in the room in, in addition to that. So you've yeah. got, you know, Brian Pussain, David Cross, all the guys from Mr. Show up there. Uh, Kathy Griffin makes a couple appearances. Uh, but, you know, uh, Simpatico was Will Ferrell's, uh, yeah. the guys in, in Will Ferrell's thing. So one of the characters uh, that was supposed to show up and close the show every week and the running joke was his name was Vince and he never showed up. So Tony would be all excited to have her, her boyfriend Vince show up with his band and close the show and he wouldn't. Um, so eventually like, you know, weeks into it, all of a sudden she had a friend's band it would pop in. So Tenacious D would close the set. Um, and then every now and then Vince would show up with his new band uh, whatever it was going to be um, and it kept changing names but the main crux of it was that was the foundation of Pussifer so mm -hmm. I was Vince and it would, we would show up with some other ridiculous band name more ridiculous than Pussifer if you can imagine <laughs> and and do a do a bit like you would know, do a rip off of uh, you spin me around uh, but like metal style just ridiculous <laughs> silliness um, so that was kind of the character but one of the characters that came out of that was we took um a song written by Tom Morello and Chris, his friend Chris, I don't remember his last name, damn it, um, called Country Boner. So we we basically birthed uh, Tawny Port, became Hildy, uh, Vince became Billy D, and we would do the Country Boner song. And then, and then the whole set would consist of Country Boner, but then country versions of Circle Jerk songs. We were convinced we were a punk rock band. <laughs> Amazing. So that's so that's how the character came about to you. And yeah. so so you have a bunch of dates coming up actually next year for Tool. Uh, I think you got started in January, right? At like the O2 Arena, those dates from like Denmark to Hungary. Are you feeling good about getting back out there? Are you I had the Melvins on the other day uh, and they're, you know, a little reluctant. Obviously, I think you guys are friendly. Um, those guys are a little reluctant about getting back out there. I think a lot of people, I mean, especially seeing the tragedy that just happened at Astro World, touring, everything in life, it seems so fucked up at the moment. Are you feeling okay about getting back out there next year? The, you know, this is, this is what we do. Um, yeah. You know, Pussifer, Tool, Perfect Circle. We, we make music. We play music. At some point, we have to get back to playing the music. So I don't really know what else to do. Yeah. With Pussifer, we're going to do, we're going to do, we just shot two more full-length concert films. And that's, right. they're, they are now somewhat in the can and not edited and mixed or anything yet but uh we, that's that's what we're, we're trying to figure out ways around all these things at the same time too and we're going to eventually announce a poster for tour obviously but uh you know the tool dates are on you know they're on sale we're going to do them and we're going to do them until we're not going to do them yeah I mean, that's like there's nothing else you know there's nothing else you can say like that's just what we're gonna do yeah know, 
you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst, I guess. Definitely. It's interesting. You even broke some live records, like streaming records on the Pusa Thor live events you did, which is amazing because I've, everyone had to pivot during this time period. So to see that you guys were able to accomplish that is great. I mean, it must be a great feeling. You have fanatical fans, which is amazing. So it looks like the fans are taking a Pusa Thor. They've taken all the projects. So all the yeah. stuff that you're doing now, I think, uh, let's talk a little bit about the winery too, right? So are there, uh, are there new things that you're dropping in that sense? Are there new wines that you're working on? I know that you had a food truck, you had some tasting rooms. Do you still yeah. have all the, everything in place? Yeah, I'm actually, so uh, for those who don't know, Arizona has over a hundred uh, federally permitted wineries in the state. There's thousands of acres of vines across the state. Um, it's a wonderful region. It's very Mediterranean in nature. So anything you've had from, you know, Southern Rhone all the way across, you know, Italy, Spain, Portugal, uh, some amazing grapes coming out. Um, and a lot of diversity in the, in the production and, and the producers. Um, high elevation wines, basically, because everything's growing at a high elevation. So if any of those words mean anything to you as a, as a person who enjoys wine, if you've ever had a Malbec from uh, Argentina, those are the similar elevations and conditions that we're growing in here. So if you, if you believe in Malbec, then let go of the, your negative attitude about Arizona and just get on board and shut up. You're going to like it. Now, can people tour the vineyard? Uh, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of people all over the state that give vineyard tours right now. We're not uh, putting people through our vineyard. As you can imagine, that could be a can of worms for yeah. my other day job. Sure. Sure. Uh, but you know, the tasting rooms are open to people. So we have, we have several tasting rooms with full menus of, uh, of wines and uh, food that we grow. We have three greenhouses and several orchards and gardens that, that feed the, uh, feed the menu. So uh, far, literally farm to table. I saw a great clip, Sammy Hagar and Guy Fiera came to your uh, vineyard and, and I think it was Sammy or Guy was like, can I just grab these uh, grapes? And you're like, I'll slap you. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. I, mean, I uh, think I actually said I would stab him. Uh, yeah. Slap or stab or whatever it may be, yeah. but um, it was great. So it's, definitely looking forward to He's recovered. <laughs> yeah. You still, you have the, the pizza truck too, still? Uh, we flipped it. We're going to turn it, we turned it into a kebab truck. It's almost finished. So we're going right. to do more of a Mediterranean style uh, menu in that because the hill we're building in Cottonwood has a wood fire pizza oven attached to that. So we found that the wood fire pizza oven, you can, uh, better result. You can flip them around faster. The truck was a bit of a chore mm. trying to do pizzas in a deck. Uh, on the fly so i think the kebab truck is going to be more to our flavor now do you ever go in the truck like when people show up they don't expect you to be there obviously do you ever like just surprise people and show up in it um no <laughs> so don't go looking for you when, when you go yeah, don't look, you know there's there's people that are you know i'm a cook i'm not a chef i can yeah. make you i can make an amazing dinner but to duplicate it uh for eight hours straight uh in a commercial setting uh, I would, I would fail you. Definitely. Well, we know there's new music from Pucifer and obviously is there going to be a perfect circle, any new music coming out or any, do you think by Billy, next year there'll be new tomb music come out? Uh, Billy Howard L has his own solo album coming out this coming year called it's going under his own name, Billy Howard L. So that's going to be coming out uh, this year. So as far as that folder that I go looking in to see what's, uh, what's marinating in there, he's got his hands full right now. So uh, look for Billy Howard L's release in the new year. Right. But, you know, we're going to be continually adding things to the Pussifer TV uh, channel. Um, of course, as you mentioned, there's I did a, I released a biography a few years ago um, and the, the whole Q&A 
attached to promoting that book as, as part of one of the, the films that were released. A Curmudgeon's so, Guide? Curmudgeon's Guide, yes. Yeah. Um, and also, of course, uh, Existential Reckoning Live, Money yeah. Shot Live, and the original uh, What is Pussifer film we put up there. So that's all on the website. And then come January, you have the tool dates coming up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I hope to, uh, you know, drink some wine with you, break some bread next time I see you in person. Hopefully that'd be great. Zoom is great, but it's always better to do it in person. And I'd uh, love to come out and visit you one of these days. So hopefully we get to make that happen. Great. Awesome, Maynard. Thanks. I appreciate you coming on the show and no check problem. out all the new stuff from Pussifer that's out now. Appreciate it. Pussifer.com. Go to Pussifer.com. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks again. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, well that was awesome. Maynard James Keenan of Tool, A Perfect Circle, Pucifer. What a fascinating guy fanatical fans as i mentioned great to have him on the show i'm super excited for the next season uh we got a couple shows coming up before the end of the year we have pella royale and we are still planning on spin sessions which hopefully we'll do in december and uh some other great talent coming up on the show if you like the show please remember tell a friend tell a bunch of friends five stars on itunes is great or, or any other platform we really appreciate you tuning in Have a great, great holiday if I do not speak to you. And uh, be safe and speak to you all soon. Thanks again for tuning in. Spin Magazine's Lip Service. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.